Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your hosts Liam and Bill, and today we'll be going through a full recap of the recent AFL draft period. Yeah, AFL draft period obviously always a really exciting time for the clubs themselves to get some new young talent in the door, and obviously the young players to kickstart a hopefully lengthy AFL career. We're going to start us off. Liam will take us off with the first club, the Adelaide Crows. Lee, how'd you see their draft night? Crows did really well. They would have been pretty surprised that Darcy Fogarty made it to their first pick. I think everyone thought that he might go a little higher, but um, to get him with their first pick being a local boy and uh, what some people thought was the best player in the draft, that's a really good result for them. So other clubs there you think put off perhaps by the uh, homesickness factor? Yeah, I'm not quite sure whether it's just clubs being a bit worried about the homesickness factor or maybe he even told clubs that he was keen to stay in South Australia. I'm not quite sure which one it was. And Crows will be pretty happy to uh, to nab him with the pick that they got for Charlie Cameron. Yeah, I guess that's uh, really interesting when you see the who went in and who went out from the particular picks, but I think they'll be sitting back and seeing him as someone who can slip right into their team if they need him to. Absolutely. I'm sure the Lions won't be too worried, though, giving up that pick because they managed to get in a few quality players. Um, the number one, obviously, number one draft pick, Cameron Rayner, should be a star. Yeah, uh, it was good to see who we thought was the best player in the draft go number one. Um, there was talk that they might be put off with a bit of go-home factor, but it was good to see Brizzy back themselves and pick who was the best player out there. Yeah, absolutely. Really happy to see them to back, back the club's retention in and, and take Rayner, who is a well-known, very large Essendon Dons fan. So could be some pullback there in a couple of years, but hopefully they'll back themselves in and he'll want to stay when, when the time comes. They had a couple of other top 20 picks. They had pick 15 and 18 where they took Zach Bailey and Brandon Staskovich. What can you tell us about them? Yeah, so Zach Bailey was linked to the club uh, pre-draft. Most people had him potentially linked at their second pick there at pick 18, but they've ended up going with him at, at pick 15. And he's a really exciting talent, a Northern Territory boy. Um, really good out of the contest, good speed, and, and seems to break the tackles well and, and find good options. And then Brandon Staskovich is uh, actually his uncle, Craig, is the current women's coach for the... AFLW team at, at, at Brisbane, so he'll slide in right there and obviously probably move in with his uncle, I assume, and good for attention, I think, in in that aspect. Another one they were able to bring in was Connor Ballenden, who didn't get a didn't get much of a early look in with uh, other clubs trying to uh, put a bid in for him, so he was managed managed to get over to Brisbane with a later pick. Yeah, pretty interesting there to see him slide quite a bit. Perhaps clubs just just knew that Brisbane were going to match, but. Uh, potentially, obviously, not rated as highly as, as he potentially was last year, but I think they picked him up with pick 41 in the end. And before that, they, they selected Toby Wooler, who's another key position player. So they ended up bringing in three, three key position players when you also had in Jack Payne. And there was talk of uh, the Brisbane's uh, draft list, of their order of who they thought was the best players in the draft, and they picked up a few top-of-their-table players. Yeah, so word coming out of the Brisbane recruiters is that they had Zach Bailey ranked at number 9 and Stasevich at number 10. And then they also had Toby Wooler, who they picked up, I think, in the 30s or pick 40 or somewhere around there. They, they had him ranked at 19. So they've really managed to add from their own list four top 20 talents as they see it. It's always interesting to see those uh, rumours of those club lists coming out. We'll move on to Carlton now, who managed to pick up uh, Paddy Dow at uh, pick number three. Yes, yeah, so that's one that we had correct on our draft list. Um, Dow was obviously linked to Carlton beforehand. There was a bit of talk that he was keen to get to Carlton specifically, so good to see them pick him up, and he should be a, a long-term midfield star for them. At number 10, they pulled the trigger on Lockie O'Brien there as well, which brings a lot of much-needed class to the outside of their midfield. Yeah, also interesting to see them take him uh, one selection before Aidan Bonner ended up going to GWS at pick 11. There was a lot of talk that Carlton wouldn't let him get past their pick at 10, but in the end, they obviously chosen Lockie O'Brien. They must favour him. 
it's always when you have two top ten picks to go through the go through the draft. It's um you're going to end up with good players out of that, and especially the selection with Lockie O'Brien there might slip in really well with Sam Doherty, who's obviously down for the for the season with his knee. Maybe someone like O'Brien can slip into a half back role there and use a bit of bit of uh, foot skills out of defence. Yeah, that's something Carlton will be looking at for sure. They've also managed to pick up a few players late in the draft. A few. Uh, Tom DeConing and Angus Schumacher, I don't, don't really know too much about those uh, No, no, I don't know too much about them either. But one that I do know a little bit about, which went a bit later in their draft period, was Jared Gartlett, who used to be on an AFL list. Yeah, absolutely. He was uh, selected in 2014, I believe it was. Yeah, at pick, four, pick 15 in 2014. And obviously now picked up at pick 78, so it could be a, a good bargain there. Yeah, so he didn't really make it his first time around, but I think that was a bit due to the... He had some family issues that he had to go back to WA for, so it's quite good to see him get back into his footy and back into the league to see if he can make an impact for them. Definitely a low-risk, high-reward selection there, so if he does pay off, that's one more young gun that Carlton can add to their list. We'll move on to Collingwood now, who picked up uh, Jaden Stephenson with uh, their pick number six, which is a bit of a risk considering the information that came out about his heart health during the week. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously he was ranked very highly, uh, pre-draft and then this word of his heart condition came out and there was some talk of him potentially sliding all the way into the into the 20s or 30s in the draft but in the end he's got a pick six I believe we had him pre-draft going to the Saints at pick seven or eight so slightly before we had yeah I think a few people were really unsure of how his heart condition um, would affect his ability to train and play in the long run and whether it was a potential that he wouldn't even be able to play at the highest level but clearly the doctors have ticked him off and I think at the end of the day, it's one of those things where either the club doctors would say that it's an issue and he wouldn't have been drafted, or he deserved to go in that top 10 pick because he's got the talent to talent to be chosen there. Definitely has the talent. So there's some clubs apparently rating him as the best, if not second best player in the draft, and Pies would be pretty happy to snare him at six. Although I do, uh, do know that the Lions had ruled out drafting him altogether. So even if he had slid, the Lions were not interested, um, obviously potentially put off by that heart concern. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Another one they picked up was Nathan Murphy with their pick 39, who was shooting up draft boards right before the draft. And we actually had him going early at number 14. Um, you think that's a good selection? Yeah, so as you mentioned there, Murphy creating a lot of buzz late after he switched to focusing on football full-time after being a very promising cricketer in his junior days. Um, to pick him up at pick 38 or pick 39, I think it was after the bidding, they'll be very happy with that. Yeah, he's a player who can play a few different positions for them there, and um, I'm sure that considering that he's a bit younger and has spent most of his days in a different sport, they'll be able to slide him into whatever position they see fit and uh, build him up from there. And their last selection, Tyler Brown, is a father-son selection. He's Gavin Brown's son, so Pies fans will know the, the Brown name very strongly. Linked to the club as a former captain, premiership player, and I believe he was in the Team of the Century and also in the Hall of Fame. So very strong lineage there for young Tyler. Yeah, got the pedigree there to be a great footballer, obviously. Um, I think he came in after uh, Port Adelaide put a bit of a bid on him and Collingwood were very quick to match, so I think he was always going to end up at the Pies. Exciting ones for Pies fans there. Uh, Don's coming into the draft. Obviously, they did their best work, I think. Uh, we can all agree they did their best work in the trade period, so they've entered the draft with uh, selections 49, 66, and 76. Who did they take, Lou? Uh, I'm not really sure of any of these names, to be honest. Jordan Houlihan was their first pick at pick 49. I think he's a bit of a uh, forward, can kick a few goals and take a big high-flying mark. Um, that's about all I know about him. Yeah, so the other two picks, Brandon Zerk, Thatcher, and Matt... 
Guilfi? Guilfi, yeah, that guy, yeah. Don't know too much about him. I do know that Matt Guilfi was available for selection in last year's draft and was overlooked, so it's good to see him get picked up this year and get an AFL option. I'm sure BT will love saying that name as well. Uh, next up's Fremantle, um, who obviously were bound to have a strong draft considering they had picks two and five, and they jumped on Andrew Brayshaw at pick number two, which might have been a bit of a surprise at the time. Yeah, Brayshaw has continued to shit up the draft boards closer and closer to the draft and eventually landed himself at number two, which is quite an honour for him. Um, obviously the brother of Angus Brayshaw, who went at three to the Demons a couple of years ago. So good pedigree there. And I think the other thing that's really good for Frio is that I heard a lot of talk that they really loved Adam Chera and they were considering jumping at pick number two to make sure they got him. And how it worked out is that Chera made it to them with the pick five. So that's two boys that they really liked. And I think that they really think that they can retain as well. It would be interesting to see uh, on the retention issue there, though, because watching the draft night unfold, it was pretty evident that Chera's family was not too happy to see him go into state. Obviously, he's a Victorian boy, so going to be all the way over in Perth now. But obviously, Freo did their homework and are backing themselves in to retain him when the time comes. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, they're hoping that it's what Chera wants and not necessarily the, what his family wanted him to say in Victoria. So we'll see how they go. And with some of their later picks, they had a few picks in this year's draft. I think they tried to address some needs there with a few tolls going out of their list with Zach Clark and John Griffin leaving. They picked up a few other boys there that might be long-term prospects. They've picked up three young tolls to develop there. Hugh Dixon, Lloyd Meek and Scott Jones, all young tolls who they'll be interested to get through the door. Yeah, so they'll need to put a bit of work into a a couple of those there, but um, they've obviously got the need, especially for key developing young forwards, so hopefully someone like Dixon can develop for them over time. Also picked one player up out of the VFL from the Box Hill Hawks, Sam Switkowski, a defensive forward with good pressure, and he's booted 19 goals in his 12 games for Box Hill this year, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get a run next year as a 20-year-old mature age player. Yeah, they had a lot of picks in this draft, but I think at the end of the day, you look at those two top names, and um, when you're bringing Chair and Brayshaw through the door, you've done a fantastic job. So next up, we've got Geelong, and I think, Liam, this is your, uh, your your winners of the draft, perhaps. Geelong had a fantastic draft for mine. Not only did they pick up great players, probably, who all slid for their respective picks, but um, players who could have an impact for them right away, I think. So first pick, they've gone with Lockie Fogarty. Uh, he's touted as a possible top 15 pick, and he's managed to get through to the Cats at pick 22. Yeah, Fogarty's going to be one of those players, I think, that will step in and play some really good, at least VFL football quite quickly just because he's got the skills to do it in my opinion is going to step into whatever club has him and someone like Geelong who's renowned for developing those sort of players I think that they'll really like him. Be very happy with his tackling pressure I believe he averaged over nine tackles through the TAC and championships so yeah whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I think Tim Kelly was a really great get for them one that at least a lot of media personalities is really applauding because he is an overage player who's 23 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And a big body who, for someone who's hopefully going to continue to shoot towards the top end of the ladder and towards the premiership, to have a player coming in who might be a little bit more developed and able to step in to the first team if uh, necessary and actually have an impact for them. Yeah, and at pick 35, they brought in another big-bodied player, Charlie Constable, who many had it. Even potentially in their top 10 on the draft boards when looking at draft rankings, slid a bit because there's some issues about his running capacity. But he does have that big body potential to run through the midfield and very clean skills. 
Yeah, I think a few clubs were concerned that he was one of those bigger bodies. So when he was alongside kids in his underage year, that he was getting a lot of ball in the midfield that he might not get at AFL level. But I think that he's a footballer, he's got football skills. And while he might not at first develop into a midfielder because he doesn't have the running capacity, he'll start off at one of the flanks or maybe as a general defender. And with time, I think he'll develop back into working into the middle. Opposite end of the spectrum, you've got a 170-centimetre live wire forward Mears, who booted seven goals, I believe, in the TSE Cup Grand Final to add to his tally of 50 for the season. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting pick. I think it's another one of those players who has probably slid a bit on the draft board because he's small and Cubs aren't too sure how he will translate to the AFL, but he can clearly find the goals. And for a team like Geelong, who might have a few positions there on the forward line that are a bit uh, able to be swapped throughout the year, especially with someone like Motlop, who was a live wire, who's out of that team. I think that Mears is a really good addition for them. He's rocking the full head of dreads, so it could potentially be a, a fan favourite when he does get the call up, I think. Yeah, especially after selecting uh, Wiley Buzzer last year. He's got another big, uh, big mane of hair. It'd be good to see both of them down in the forward line. <laughs> <laughs> So good because they got hair. Next up, we've got Gold Coast, and they've come a bit of left field with their first pick at 19, taking Will Powell, who is not, not ranked so highly on the draft boards, at least not in the top 20. So, a surprise for the draft night there, I think, perhaps. Yeah, I think all of their draft picks were surprises, to be honest. I don't really know any of these names. I've heard of Charlie Ballard before, who's a bit of an uh, athletic, can play all around the ground, and uh, Crossley, as well as Big Ruckman who um, I think he was probably the second-best Ruckman in the draft, but um, Ruckman have gone out of vogue a bit, so I don't think many clubs were um, too interested at him high in the board, but with their late picks, they picked him up. There was some talk of the Suns being interested in Ballard himself at pick 19, so for him to get to 41, they'll be very happy with that. Yeah, I can't say that they picked too many uh, names that I've got too much knowledge about, so um, yeah, I'm not too sure how Gold Coast went in this draft. Perhaps a Stewie Jew uh, stroke of genius, though, taking Will Powell at 19. be interesting to see how he develops. Yeah, it's always interesting to see those people who are actually the bolters of the draft who went in the first round or around that that people weren't too, weren't too uh, sure about. But we'll see if he can slip into their team and um, have an impact for them. Strong mark and very good on both feet, so good skills will bode him well up there, I think. We'll move on to GWS now, who um, selected one of the... Uh, most exciting players in the draft, Aiden Bonner, with their pick number 11. Yeah, so him getting past Carlton at 10, I think it does make sense for the Giants to jump on him at 11. Um, obviously, he's a bit of a risk. We talked about that in the pre-draft podcast with him having done one to two knee injuries, depending on how you look at it. But obviously, the big injury risk there. And I think at this stage, GWS are looking at quality over quantity. So it makes sense for them to jump on Bonner at 11, I believe. And there was a lot of talk about GWS being linked to Higgins because everyone thought that GWS wanted a bit of a small forward uh, to replace the Stevie Johnson types that they lost. But I think um, most people who knew GWS saw that they had a lot of interest in small forwards with their later picks, and they picked up a, a couple of them there with Brett Daniels at uh, pick 27, who will hopefully be able to um, fill that role. At pick 28, they've taken WA Sam Taylor, who's going to boost their depth in the back half. And one of their later picks, they picked up Nick Shipley, who was part of their academy, and um, I think he's a developing midfielder, so he's another one to add to that um, depth that they've got there. So a great success for us. Uh, we've managed to pick Hawthorne's first pick exactly, which is uh, quite amazing, I think, actually, considering it was pick 43. It's a good result for us, and they've taken James Warple. 
Whipple's a ready-made midfielder, and he's probably going to be a big chance to get a, a game next year, I think, Liam. Yeah, I think we did pretty well with our later picks in our um, Phantom Draft in the last podcast. So we picked a few of the teams with later picks. We had Hawks at 43 and Essendon at uh, 48, as well as Port at 46. And we picked a few players we thought might be good sliders in Warpool, uh, Ross and Dylan Moore, and <laughs> Hawks ended up picking up all three of them. Yeah, so Big 68, they've taken Dylan Moore, who's a small midfielder. Very quick to react when reading the flight of the footy. Bit of an undersized midfielder, but very good around the goals, runs all day, and good in the air. And they also picked up Jackson Ross, who was the uh, tennis convert, so somebody who's obviously got a lot of upside. He was, had, has great uh, athletic traits, but um, can be put into a few different positions on the field. And I think to get someone like him at pick 73 was a lot later than what a lot of people thought that he would go. Yeah, the Hawks would be pretty happy, I think, uh, entering the draft with some pretty subpar picks, but leaving it with three quality players, so they'll be very happy. We'll move on to Melbourne now, who also came into the draft pretty late, starting at pick 29 after sending a lot of their draft picks over to Adelaide in the Jake Lever deal. And they started off by picking up Charlie Spargo at pick 29. Yeah, the son of former North Melbourne Brisbane Lions player Paul Spargo, so a good football pedigree. Next pick, they went with Bailey Fritsch, who was well known to the Demons because he played for the Casey Demons in the VFL and managed to slot 42 goals for the season, which is a pretty impressive haul. Yeah, so I think that Coming into the draft late, you're obviously not going to get into any of that top talent, but uh, Spargo and Fritz were a couple of players that I know that a few people following the draft closely had labelled for uh, good selections in that second round, so I think Melbourne wouldn't be too unhappy with what they came out of the draft with. Their last pick, they managed to pick up the Ginger Ninja, Oscar Baker. (laughs) Uh, Has some serious breakaway pace, so they'll be very keen to get someone like that onto the list, I believe. We'll move on to North Melbourne now, who uh, came into the draft at pick four and managed to pick up LDU, Luke Davies' Uniac, who was touted as going at number one for a very long time. Yeah, they'll be very happy with that. And I think they'll also be pretty happy picking up Will Walker at their second pick. Bit of a surprise selection, but ones that they've had their eye on for quite a while now. Um, oh yeah, very interesting for um, North, and I think they'd be very excited because Apparently, LDU might have gone to a few clubs and said that he wanted to play for North Melbourne and that a couple of the higher draft uh, choices in Brisbane and Fremantle uh, shouldn't really look at him because North Melbourne was where he wanted to play, which is a bit of a change for North, who <laughs> typically have people not uh, really excited to go down there. Speaking of, they didn't manage to land Dusty Martin in the AFL trade period, but they did manage to add someone who may be even better, Billy Hartung. <laughs> yeah, not quite the same player, is he, but... Um, yeah, we'd pick uh, 77 or somewhere around there. I picked up uh, Hartung, so they gave him a second uh, chance. Apparently Hartung might have even had a, a one-year deal on the table with Hawthorne, but um, sort of with his relationship with Clarkson told them that they could shove it and he would take his chances elsewhere. So he did manage to get picked up by another club. Um, we'll see what he does at North, but it's definitely not the Dusty Martin that they were after. A few other late picks, including Tristan Seri, who's a ruckman, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I'm trying to read, <laughs> trying to read the next bit of the line. Yeah. I'm like not reading it quick enough. Uh, that's where we'll leave it, and we'll move on to Port Adelaide now, um, who also picked up a ruckman with pick 47, Sam Hayes. Yeah, so Sam Hayes, a dual Australian as a junior, 203 centimeters. I think that we're pretty happy with him at pick 47. I think everyone um, leading up during the year saw Hayes as a potential first pick, and I think it's even been said that he himself has gone around and said that he'll be a high pick. But um, Ruckman are a bit uh, out of vogue with the high picks where people think that they can find players that have already been developed in other systems and bring them in late. So 
Uh, at 47, they picked him up. But do you think maybe they see him as more of a forward than a ruckman? Potentially, he can play up forward. and Very mobile for his size, so it presents well. Um, next two picks, they've gone with Kane Farrell and Jake Patmore, two defenders. Yeah, they'll hopefully uh, slide in and fill some of that uh, key, uh, defender depth. They obviously lost Logan Austin in the trade period, and they've brought in a couple of uh, other defenders throughout the uh, trade and um, rookie periods as well in um, players like Trent McKenzie to slip into that back line. So it's obviously a need for them to fill a bit of depth there. And one of their late picks, they took a, a very large slider in Joel Garner, who was the Vic Metro captain, lasted all the way to pick 82, I believe it was. One of the biggest sliders in the draft for mine, definitely. Garner was um, one of those players who is really a good, solid footballer. Like That's what he is. He's not a, like a huge athlete like some of these other players, but he's a great football mind. And I think that... Um, to have him slide all the way down to that pick was incredible, considering that some people said early second round selections might look at him. And also kept up their routine of picking up recycled players, taking former demon Don Barry at pick 89. Yeah, um, Port Adelaide just love recycling players. We had them as our talking point in last week's podcast, and um, they've continued in the form, and they've picked up more recycled players there. So he'll be able to go alongside uh, former teammate Trengove and um, slide into the Port Adelaide colours. Next up, we've got the reigning premiers, and it feels very weird to say, Richmond Tigers. Definitely still a bit weird to say. Um, I still know a lot of Richmond fans who are, who are still celebrating over that one, and I think that they might have not only come out winners last season, but one of the winners of the draft period too. So very lucky to pick up Jack Higgins, pick 17. Touted as potentially a top 10 pick and potentially sliding a bit because of his height, perhaps? Yeah, he, he's, he slid a bit, and I think that it's one of those players where it might not have been the ideal need for Richmond at the time, but he was way too good to pass up getting all the way to their pick at pick 17. Next selection, they've added a couple of talls, Callum Coleman-Jones and defenders Noah Bolter and Ben Miller. Definitely um, key position talls were an area that Richmond really needed to fill, and I think they've got two very interesting prospects in Coleman-Jones and Noah Bolter. Noah Bolter in particular is um, he's a freak athlete, and he can play at either end of the ground, but... Um, has been touted as probably defence is where most AFL clubs see him, and Richmond will do very well having him in the team. And after being touted as a potential first-round selection, they managed to get Patrick Nash after a St Kilda bid at pick 34, which is a great result. Yeah, during the draft period, Richmond would be very um, unsure of where the bid would have came for Nash. If it came earlier before their, say, pick 17 bid, they might not have even matched it by all reports. But if it was past that, they would have matched it. And to have to not use it for picks 20 and 25 before they selected Nash, they would have been ecstatic about that. Next up, we've got your boys, Liam. Saints, they had picks 7 and 8. Who'd they go with? Ended up deciding with uh, Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield. So Nick Caulfield was long linked to the club uh, as his leadership traits and uh, foot skills were very appealing. And Hunter Clark was one that I think ended up really highly in St Kilda's draft board. Uh, was a defender, moved into a midfielder who apparently was a bit injured at the start of this season and then stormed home later to be a contested possession and tackling beast and one that actually came out later that Geelong had as number two on their draft board. Picked after that, they've taken a developing defender, Oscar Claverino. Yeah, Oscar Claverino is one of those uh, big intercept marking defenders who key position defender stocks is something that St Kilda needed to address in this trade period. And to get him into the team was uh, very exciting. I think he also went to school with Josh Battles, so it's always good to get a few friends in the club. With their last selection at 45, managed to add another under-18s All-Australian, Vic Country boy Ben Patton. 
Yeah, the Saints pretty much picked up half of the uh, All-Australian defence from this with Caulfield, Claverino and Patton all lining up in the All-Australian defence lineup. So they're obviously selecting kids who had great years last year. Patton, I think, was actually overlooked in one of the previous drafts and has come back and put what what was a previous midfield role and moved a little bit more into defence midfield where he thrived and he's obviously come out and gotten an AFL chance. Next up on the list, Sydney Swans taking Matthew Ling at pick 14. Matthew Ling was one that um, we thought would go early in the second round and Sydney jumped at him. They think that he can really bring a lot of talents into their list that will be advantageous coming off that halfback or midfield wing role. Pick number 33, they've taken Paddy McCartan's younger brother, Tom. Yeah, so Tom's going to be a bit of a developing forward as well, much like his brother. He'll play up in the forward line. But uh, Tom's young uh, in terms of this draft class, and he's got a lot of development to go. But for a team like Sydney, who's got obviously the Franklins and the Tippets and a few older boys in that forward line, to get a player they can develop up there is a very good result. And the last one, a bit of a draft miss for us. We had Riley Stoddart potentially going pick 29 to the Demons. He managed to last all the way to pick 51. Another one that slid um, really far in the draft, and I think Sydney would have been very happy to have someone that I think they would have had a lot higher than their pick on their draft boards that make it all the way to their selection. Next team off the board, West Coast, pre-draft, a lot of talk that they might have needed to add a few midfielders to their list, but they've taken the opposite direction and potentially landed the best tall defender and key forward in the draft, Jared Brander. Jared Brander, as their first selection, would have probably um, been a bit of a surprise to some. Everyone said that West Coast losing their Prudices and Sam Mitchells and um, Alex out of that midfield, that that would have been their first thing to address. But um, other people said that players like Oscar Allen, who are homegrown talents, would be who they would select. And they went with Jared Brander, who's one of the best tall um, players in the draft, which would have been a bit of a surprise. Yeah, we had them in our pre-draft wrap, taking them Oscar Allen at pick 13, and they managed to land him at 21, so they'll be very happy with that. Probably another one where a few of the other clubs saw him as a, a very loyal WA boy and would have uh, been very keen to stay there. He's done a bit of um, playing with uh, the seconds team over there at West Coast, so he's already been around the club, and I think he's got strong ties there. So it was really good for them to um, get that player at number 21. At 26, they jumped on another local boy, Subiaco product, Liam Ryan, a supremely gifted small forward. Excitement machine, Liam Ryan. It'll be really interesting to see him play. He can fly at marks and kick amazing goals. He's just a live wire up in the forward line. So they've addressed a lot of interesting um, aspects with their first three picks, but not the midfielders that they probably needed. So speaking of midfielders, they've picked up three with their next three picks. Braden Ainsworth, Jack Pritchaselli, and Hamish Brayshaw. Yeah, Patrick Shelley, or however you pronounce the name, was uh, the fastest player in this draft class, I think it was said. He uh, ran 2.87 over the 20-metre sprint at the Combine, so they've added some really good speed into that midfield, but also some ball winners too. And interesting to note that Hamish Brasher will now be joining his brother Andrew, pick number two, to Fremantle over in WA. Yeah, it was one of the nice moments from the draft to see um, Hamish get selected. He's been overlooked in previous draft classes and to have him be picked up for the third brother of um, him, Angus and Andrew, all on AFL list now. That was one of the uh, nice moments in the draft to see his family all be overwhelmed to see the two brothers get um, picked up. Definitely a good result for the Brayshaw family. Uh, last club, obviously on our list, Western Bulldogs. We almost got there. Draft selections, right? We had them slightly <laughs> reversed, picks 9 and 16. Yeah, so we had them picking up both Ed Richards and Aaron Norton, which they did, just in the opposite order of how we said they would go. So the Dogs, first of all, jumped at Aaron Norton at number 9. 
Dogs needed to fill some young key position players and to have someone of the skills of Norton available on the board, um, that's who they went with. So pick 16, the Dogs went with the natural footballer Ed Richards, grandson of Ron Richards, Collingwood superstar. Those two positions were ones that they wanted to fill, the key position defender and then also the running halfback sort of role after they lost Murphy and Boyd. So to have uh, to pull the trigger on Norton, first of all, and then to have their probably second choice of Richards last all the way to 16, amazing result for the Dogs. Also picked up Callum Porter late in the draft, pick 74. Versatile midfielder, um, used off halfback and in attack as well during his junior career, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops down at the kennel. All right, well, that wraps up all of the clubs now. We jumped into a bit of our big winners from the draft period, and we already touched on it. Well, I hate to say it, being a bit of a Geelong hater at times after they've taken some grand finals off the Saints. I think the Cats had an amazing haul here, especially considering that they didn't have any early picks. But they've come out with a lot of good players in different positions, and I think that they'll be very happy with their draft haul. What about you, Bill? Who do you think were the big winners? Yeah, Geelong, with the picks they had, obviously done incredibly well. Um... If we're just looking at ignoring where your picks came from and, and just looking at who took the most talented youngsters, I think you're going to have to throw in the names uh, Fremantle with their picks 2 and 5, taking Brayshaw and Chera, and obviously the Lions taking three picks in the top 20. Both of those teams, you're looking at getting at least three to four quality players to the draw, I believe. We'll move on now to our uh, big talking point of the week, uh, how we normally finish the show. And I think the big talking point of the week this week will have to be the rookie draft that just closed and all of the recycled players who were picked up in that draft from other clubs who got their second chances. Yeah, quite a few recycled players getting a second chance. We had Cam O'Shea, the Port Defender, going to the Blues, as well as Matt Shaw from the Gold Coast also heading off to Carlton. Carlton picking up a few uh, recycled defenders there. Um, O'Shea is a player who probably didn't get enough opportunities and was linked to a move back to Victoria uh, for a while now, and Matt Shaw um, also was moved on by Gold Coast and got a second chance. Next up, a very interesting one, Geelong adding to their already strong draft hole, taking Stuart Cramery from the Dogs. Very interesting pick there, especially with the Dogs moving him along when they've got a few changes in their forward line already. But Geelong were very keen to pick him up to maybe take a bit of the load off uh, Tom Hawkins, who has been doing all of the um, heavy lifting in the forward line by himself for a while now. And to have another player who's a season forward to maybe come in and uh, lend a little bit of support there was a great result for Geelong. Also looking to boost their forward stocks, Port taking former North Melbourne player Lindsay Thomas. Port are at it again. We've already talked about it, but Port just picking up the recycled players. No youngsters for them. It's all in. And uh, Lindsay Thomas can slide into what's already become a much more dynamic forward line in this trade period, adding players like Jack Watts and Motlop in there. So Thomas is another option. I would suspect that he would start not in their best 22 or on the fringe so he's more of a depth player there who can slide in and really have an impact if they need him and lastly i was pretty surprised to see dylan buckley delisted from carlton in the first place and it seems like he's got a second chance here heading off to gws although with the 22 that they have it'll be very difficult to see him getting a game next year one of those players is probably uh it was very good to see him get picked up because he's probably got a bit more to show at afl level but it'll be really hard to break into that GWS lineup, considering especially the extra talent they've brought in, like Aiden Bonner, um, in this draft period. So we'll wait and see if he gets an opportunity, but he's got a chance to show what he's got yet again. And, you know, a few injuries, also the potential of him becoming a premiership player next year, potentially. It's true. I mean, we saw it this year with GWS getting shot down with injuries, and you had they were picking out of two or three, one or two players at times um, to fill a couple of spots in their best 22 because they didn't really have a lot of fit players on their list. So 
Buckley has a chance to step into what you're right will be a very successful team next year. So it's good to see some of those recycled players getting another lease of life at a new club. Absolutely. That's probably all we've got time for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, give you a bit of a rundown for some pre-season training and maybe make a few predictions for who's finishing where next year.